This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions. Anything that's on your heart, all you need to do is pick up your phone and call 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585 if you're outside the local San Antonio area. You can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, and I've just received a rash of those, so we'd love to have your questions. Or you can send your questions in using our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you're driving in your car, uh, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app, just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, our main number is 340-9585. Hey, I want to thank Pastor Ken and May for filling in for us last week. I got to listen to the show uh, on Thursday, and they did a great job. But it's always nice to know that Pastor Ken is available, and I'm sure you enjoyed him. So I am grateful uh, to God for them. But I'm grateful to be back too. So whatever is on your heart and mind, that's what we're going to do. I would ask you for prayers. We just started school today, in-person school. Uh, it's different because of the social distancing and the masking, but but uh, most of our kids are in school uh, on a staggered every other day uh, schedule. And my prayer is, is, is simply I'm asking you to pray that the teachers, the staff, and the students would all be safe and COVID-free, um, we're just thrilled that they're back and things are getting somewhat back to normal. And uh, knowing that people, Christians, are praying would be a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Well, let me get to some questions while we await your phone calls. I guess I don't have to wait. Uh, we've got a phone call now. We've got Tanya on line one. Tanya, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Papa. I'm glad you guys are back, and I've been praying for the kids and all the staff today uh, with school opening, and I know that uh, I know that God certainly is there, and I'm just grateful for you guys um, doing what you doing what you've been called to do, and I'm I'm just I love it. I love it. I wish I was home so I <laughs> I could be there to help. <laughs> Thank you, Tanya. Hey, can I ask so, you something? Are are you safe from the fires? Well, the closest fire is about 55 miles away. Okay. Um, the air quality is awful, um, and we've been praying for those folks as well. It's like we're surrounded uh, by it, and so we're safe for now. Um, you know, I'm praying for the Lord to, to really uh, bring us some rain and, and, and just to, you know, it, but it teaches us to help other people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think for sure. everything, God will be glorified, so... We've been reaching out and who needs help and um, offering where we can and giving what we can to, to help out everybody. Good. It's, it's an interesting well, we're, time right We're now. praying for the people up there as well. I, I've seen some of the stories that have just broken my heart uh, to, to see uh, people whose lives are completely uh, blown up in this. And this happens so regularly there. It's just like somebody needs to do something different than they've been doing. But we'll be praying. What's on your heart, Tanya? So question for you, Papa. Um, and and uh, I have a, a young gal that um, she kind of comes and goes out of out of my life a little bit. And I check in on her and, and she had um, recently gotten divorced and um, she's still relatively new in her faith. Uh, I've been really trying to uh, 
kind of help her move. Like the Apostle Paul says, you can't keep eating baby food. Uh, you know, you got to start eating a little, little bit more hearty meals here. And um, she has a mother who is a lesbian, married to a uh, another woman, and her ex-husband is not a believer. And one of the things that she teaches her son, he's six, is that it's important to love Jesus more than anybody. You know, that our relationship is, with him is job one. It's, you know, it's, it's a joy to be able to do that. And so the little boy has been asking his grandma, you know, do you love me more than Jesus? Well, obviously the answer from her is yes. And mm-hmm. he goes and asks his unbelieving father, do you love me more than Jesus? And his answer obviously is yes. And so he comes home and asks his mom, you know, well, why do you love Jesus more than me? Um, Daddy doesn't. Grandma doesn't. And, you know, and and I've, I've told her this is an opportunity for you to share with him, you know, who should you love more? I mean, he's given, he created you. He died for you. Um, why wouldn't we love more? And and I talked to her about, you know, it, that you have to count the cost when it comes to following Christ and that her walk is really important. And I thought about your sermon yesterday about, you know, if Jesus sat down and looked at social media, would he be happy with what anybody's written? And, and she came to mind, actually. And so I'm mm-hmm. trying to encourage her, Papa, along the way, and yet still protect the innocence of the little boy. And I have told her, you know, obviously she can't keep the son away from the father. Um, but I told her, potentially you need to be limiting the amount of time to the unbelieving mom because the, I mean, grandmother, because she's Buddhist as well. And she's always, you know, they've had these run-ins with, you're not teaching my son anything about Buddhism. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of an interesting situation. And I thought, you know, and I always tell her, you know, let's look at the Bible. Let's see what the Bible says. And, and I'm hoping that you can give me some, some good passages for her to read, because I also feel like through this divorce, she has been uh, a little bit more um, uh, treading water as opposed to swimming. And so just want to really encourage her. And then, you know, for the little boy, you know, he's six and, and, trying to help him understand that, you know, why mommy says that she does love Jesus more than him. Yeah, boy, um, I've had some experiences that I, I think will help you with, with uh, my own grandkids. Um, and, and when they were about that age, a couple of them anyway. And I, I just think what we've got to do is explain to the six-year-old what the love of Christ is all about and how to receive it. Now, I'm assuming that as a, as a believer, relatively new believer, she's doing that. But but one of the things that you have to understand is that we humans have no capacity to love apart from Christ. Uh, we we love people, we get emotionally attached to them, but the only way that we can love sacrificially is to let the love of God that's been poured out into our hearts, that's Romans 5, 5, by the Holy Spirit, uh, be the, 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 the engine for the love that we have for others. And I tell people all the time that the only way that you can really and truly love somebody selflessly is to to love them with the love of Jesus because honestly our love is conditional and our love has limits and his love, of course, does not. Let me tell you, Tonya, maybe you can sort of piggyback off of this. Um, Several years ago, when my grandkids were on vacation with us, they spent the night with, with, uh, with Paula and me, and um, we were going to go to church, and the kids were a little slow going, so we decided instead to have church. Now, I've got two sons, one saved and one who's unsaved. So on the, the grandkids' side, um, we had um, um, one said who knew about Jesus and one said who didn't. And, of course, we've been talking to them about the Lord, and they knew who we were and what we did. But um, I asked one of them, one of the unsaved kids, I said, well, what story would you like me to read in the Bible? And she picked out a story, and we talked about it. And we got through the story, and um, one of the young ones said to me, he said, said, Grandpa, I, I know that Yana's a Christian, that's one of the other kids, and, and Ari's a Christian, and, and I know they're going to heaven and then she said, but what about me? Am I going to the, and she hesitated. She said, am I going to the other place? And that was an opportunity to talk to somebody at that level that you're talking about at six years old, to be able to talk to them about, well, the only way anybody's going to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And if Jesus is the way to forgive sins and we don't know Jesus, then our sins are going to be held against us. And then I could ask him, have you ever done any bad stuff? You knew it was wrong. And of course they nodded their heads. And I said, well, Jesus died for those sins. 
And they made a decision, just very practical decision, about, well, I don't want to go to the other place. I want to be in heaven where Yana and Ari are going to be. Now, that's not a full-blown acceptance of the gospel, but it, it communicates them on a level that understands. And what your friend needs to do is sit down and explain. And you, you, she can read scripture. She'll have to explain it. But explain to the six-year-old that the only way that we can really love somebody selflessly is to do so through Jesus Christ because his love is, has no limits. And I don't know if your friend would want to go there, but you know it's easy in a divorce case, and I've done this many times over the years, to sit down with the, the kids and say, well, you know, Mommy and Daddy said they loved each other, but now they're divorced and there's all this pain. Well, Jesus will never divorce you. He will never leave you. He loves you, and when he comes to live in you, and that's a concept that kids can understand, Jesus will come and live in your heart. And when you explain that to them, and that's the kind of love you can love others with, that's why it's good for mommy to love Jesus more than I love even you. And I love you with all my heart, but now because Jesus is in my heart, it's a much bigger heart. And Tanya, for me, that that kids get that. Instinctively, kids get it. They don't hide. They don't try to pretend they're okay. They understand that they mess up. They do bad things. And they do them willfully. And to understand the love of Jesus that wants to forgive them. And again, that six-year-old, some six-year-olds are capable of making a, a confession of faith that, that is meaningful. Um, many, maybe even most, cannot. But see, what we're doing is we're placing deposits in the heart of those kids so that as they're able to understand, God the Holy Spirit will bring that back. That's what happened with my grandkids, and and uh, they wanted to be sure. So actually that day, Paula and I led them in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ. We told their parents when they came to pick them up later, and they were fine with it. Um, and uh, one day, hopefully, I'll have the privilege and pleasure of baptizing my other two grandkids as well. Tanya, thank you very, very much, and we're praying for you guys, and I so appreciate your prayers uh, for us, for the school. Uh, I'll keep asking for that. Thank you, Tanya. God bless you. Stay safe. Let's go to Jimmy calling on line one from San Antonio. Jimmy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. That was an awesome sermon that you said yesterday about social media. Oh, thank you, Jimmy. Uh, Yeah, so because lately I've been this kind of consumed with YouTube and these people talking about their dreams and talking about pre-tribulation rapture. And I know there's no pre-tribulation rapture, but they're just yeah. talking about their dreams and telling people that this is what God wants me to tell you. Okay, yeah, but let me ask you a question, Jimmy. Why, why, how could you say you know there's no pre-tribulation rapture? Because I don't... There's only one, right? There's only going to be uh, in First Thessalonians. That's only in yeah, that, that Jesus is going... Yeah, that is that is a pre-tribulation rapture. Oh well. Yeah, the rapture of the church, the the rapture of the church is going to happen before God pours out His wrath on a Christ-rejecting world in the great tribulation. And since since it's God's wrath, it's 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 a from Old Testament through the New Testament, it's a time that's so horrible. Uh, the wrath of God being poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. And God can't pour out his wrath on those of us who are his. Um, uh, I just did a study in Abraham uh, and, and Jesus' conversation in Genesis chapter 18 before I went on uh, a mini vacation with Paula. And, um, you know, the truth is that, that we cannot be here because the, the righteous judge of all the earth could not judge the wicked and the righteous together. So, Jimmy, we're not going to be in the Great Tribulation, and that's the best news ever. Paul calls that the blessed hope of the church. So the pre-tribulation is First Thessalonians then, right? Yeah, First Corinthians 15, First Thessalonians, and mentioned in Second Thessalonians. But remember that Jesus, Jesus isn't coming to earth for the rapture of the church. He's going to catch us up to meet him in the air. And then when he comes the second time to earth, that's in Revelation chapter 19, and that's going to be at the end of the Great Tribulation, and that will usher in the uh, millennial kingdom of God, where you and I will rule and reign with Jesus. Okay. All right. Thanks. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That's all? Where I get upset with these people and that are talking on social media about their dreams and what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe them. I only believe <laughs> the Bible. I only believe yeah, what the and, Bible says and, 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 and what preachers, certified preachers say, not what these other people say. You know, Jimmy, it's always fascinating to me that you, you get on, on social media, but, but there's also books and movies about these kind of things where you get all these people who talk about their visits to heaven. And the Bible says in Second Corinthians that uh, Paul, who was taken to heaven uh, when he was stoned in Lystra, uh, he died, he went to heaven, and, and he saw, he says, his words, inexpressible things which man is not permitted to tell. So instantly, every Christian with discernment, like you, Jimmy, every Christian with discernment can instantly know when they open a book or see a movie about, or, or a social media post about somebody's trip to heaven um, that, that that's not a legitimate vision from God uh, because if it was, then man is not permitted to tell these things. And um, uh, that's what Paul learned. And, and as Christians, we should never be duped by these false visions. Now, uh, God does speak to people in visions and in dreams. Um, uh, I know people have visions and dreams about heaven, but it's something completely different than being taken to heaven. And in those visions and dreams that are about heaven, all we have to do to determine the legitimacy of those visions is to compare them against the Word of God. And if we'll do that, then in fact, uh, we won't be misled by any of those visions. Hey, Jimmy, I heard you call uh, Pastor Ken on Thursday. Thank you for doing that. And uh, it's always good. To, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear your voice when I'm listening on our app. In, in, uh, we were actually in Dallas. So thank you for calling, brother. Oh, you too. Thank you. Uh-huh. God bless you, Jimmy. Thanks very much. Yes, 340-9585. Uh-huh. Um, Jimmy was talking about my message yesterday. I've got another question about it as well that I'll get to maybe a little bit later. But um, my message yesterday uh, in Second Timothy, uh, where the the key is be workmen, men and women who rightly divide the word of God. And 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 you know if we understand the word, then we're not going to be deceived. And again, that's the direct context of the passage. But but it's also uh, the social media. Um, Paul talks there about. The, the 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 no value in debating or quarrelsome words, and I asked our church yesterday. I said, you know, I'd like you in the in the light of this Bible study to go home and review your social your social media postings. Um, re- review what you've written. I guess you can save it. I'm not on social media, so. Uh, but but whether it's it's Facebook or or Twitter or Instagram or any other source, um, but but read what you've written. If you're saying if you're quarreling about politics, if you're quarreling about uh, masks or or COVID nineteen, if you're if you're bent on distributing your opinion far and wide, um, Paul says don't do those things. We're to flee from those things. And I asked our church, and I'll ask this radio audience to consider the things that you've written on social media in terms of how you're going to explain those things to Jesus. When you're talking bad about somebody, even somebody that you don't agree with. I mean, if if you're being critical of somebody who's on the political side against you there or, or that opposes your ideology, um, Jesus loves that guy or that woman. How are we going to... It's okay to say, I don't agree with what they do or what they say. But those are the people that we ought to be praying for. And if you're praying for somebody, you're not going to be trashing them on social media. You're not going to argue with other believers about politics. My goodness, if you listen to some of the things people are are posting on social media, you'd think that, that there's a whole group that thinks you can't be a Republican, be a Christian. There's another whole group that thinks you can't be a Democrat and be a Christian. No, well, that's not Jesus's heart. That's not the word of God. So I, I asked our church yesterday to consider those things in light of what Paul said in Second Timothy chapter 2 about quarrelsome words. 
and, and the fact that there's no value in it all. We humans, we love to debate, we love to argue, when in fact it is the one thing God wants us not to do for two reasons. In verse 14 yesterday in, in 2 Timothy 2, it says that it ruins those who listen. That Greek word for ruins is the, is the, the Greek word catastrophe with a K. We obviously get our C word catastrophe in English from it. And it ruins those who listen. We're not to cause people to stumble. And that's what we do when we get involved in quarrelsome words. But then it says in verse 16, now remember, that's sandwiched right around verse 15, which says to be workmen, workwomen who rightly divide the word of God, not being ashamed of the word, but defending it. And then in verse 16, it says that when we engage ourselves in godless chatter, then we become more and more ungodly. So instead of being more and more like Jesus, we become more and more ungodly. And there just isn't any time for that left in these last days. Hey, Jimmy, I know you've got, uh, you drive around a lot, so let me give you a suggestion. Uh, Go to Revelation chapter 4. The first Bible study I do uh, in Revelation chapter 4 is always about the rapture, and it's a detailed teaching on the rapture. It leaves no doubt about the timing of and the necessity of and the glory of the rapture of the church. So this Revelation, go to chapter 4, the very first study that I did. I think you will be blessed by it. Thank you, Jimmy, very, very much. Here is a question from Natasha. She says, what is the meaning of Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3? And then she says, I love what it says. Um, uh, I'm going to read it for you, and then we'll talk about it. Um, I had it up here, now i got to find it. I'm going to have to read it out of the NLT because I can't find it. Um, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. It seems slow in coming. Wait for it patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. She says, reading this always excites me into doing the impossible, writing down your desires and partaking with God in them and seeing where he leads you. Uh, this is the application or meaning that she's getting from it. Uh, I agree with you completely, uh, Natasha. Um, this vision um, that, that God gives Habakkuk is for a future time. Now, it's not to the end of time the way we understand it. If God gives us a vision for the future, he's already given that to us in the book of Revelation. But this is a time when the Babylonian captivity would finally end. And this was written to encourage those who were taken captives. And so he says, Habakkuk, record this uh, for the benefit of others um, so that the one who reads it may run. In other words, you're encouraging, but you're also warning others. Now, every time I talk, Natasha, about the rapture of the church, it ought to encourage everybody who's listening because if we understand that, then we can run with it. And if we're going to run with it, Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to tell other people about Jesus. Our faith is going to get sort of a booster shot. And we're going to tell people about Jesus. We're going to be active in sharing our faith. And um, those that we can share it with can run with it. And Habakkuk, the preacher in this case, had to make it plain. Now, in order to be plain, he had to see the vision, understand it. Um, The the prophet, the preacher in this case... um, can't make anyone else see what he doesn't see for himself. That's why doctrine is so important. And then he had the responsibility to make it known. Um, and when he did that, he had to make it practical. Um, he doesn't doesn't say there that he who runs may read it, but that he may run who reads it. And the running, the verb, is the activity that comes from God word, God's word. And he says this is a, an, a, a vision for an appointed time in the future. And of course, uh, those who are in captivity would be losing all hope. And yet the man of God would say, no, no, a time is coming in the future when all of this is going to be different. It is a wonderful passage of scripture. 
uh, one of the minor prophets, but really, really uh, a good job. How are we doing? Oh, we've got two minutes, okay? I can do this. Here's a one from Kirby. One minute. One minute. Kirby says from our email inbox, Pastor Ron is Hymenius in 1 Timothy 1, 20, uh, who is mentioned in 2 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. Is he the one mentioned in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, who is handed over to Satan? Uh, Kirby, the answer to that is no. These are different parts of the world. Corinth is in Greece, and uh, um, Hymenius and, and Timothy's ministry uh, that Hymenius was interrupting was in uh, Asia Minor. So the two completely different people. Now, the men in 1 Corinthians 2, who is sort of handed over to Satan, uh, or 1 Corinthians 5, 5 rather, um, he gets restored in first, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, six months later. But different people completely. Hey, thanks for the question. Hey, we got 30 minutes left in the Monday show. Love your calls and questions. 340-9585. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't have time to call into the Word to Stand On for Life? No problem. If you've got questions, you can email them to Pastor Ron at PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to our second half hour here at the word to stand on for life time is going fast on my first day back let's get right to the questions while we await your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. This is a question from Ariana. Hi, Pastor Ron. We know that God is just and that we can trust His judgment in all things. He is more loving than we can ever comprehend. I like trying to comprehend it, though, Ariana. You're right. Back to your question. My question is about all of the people that died not knowing Jesus in the Old Testament. We know that many of the believing Jews died and went to Abraham's bosom in the Old Testament, awaiting the day of Jesus' resurrection, when Jesus came and shared that he's our salvation. Many believed in him, and now even Gentiles have the chance to come to him and have salvation. But instead, those in the Canaanite nations and throughout the world died in their sins because they didn't know of this loving God. It's as though Jesus gives everyone in the world a chance to know who he is now, but those that came before Jesus didn't have a chance. I know that God is a loving God, and I know that when I get to heaven, I'll understand these things, and it will be more than sufficient. But until then, I feel like I'm left wondering. So if you can give me any wisdom on this matter, I would like to consider it. Um, I I can do that, Ariana. And um, based on the justice and the holiness of God, we need to understand First and foremost, how people got saved before before Jesus. Now, obviously, we can go all the way back to Pharaoh and the Exodus. Uh, the reason that God performed the miracles in Egypt was so that everyone would know that he is God. Everyone would know. Now, think about this. This is before the law. Moses says, set my people free. Pharaoh, who thought he was God, the sun God raw in human form, um, Pharaoh said, who is this God that I should let him go? And so God did these miracles, and, and, and the stated purpose is important. It's so that everyone will know. And reading through the ten plagues of Egypt, you see over and over people who recognize that Moses' God really is God. And even Pharaoh knew that, but God hardened his heart after he hardened his heart first, So they had every chance to know which God was more powerful. They just chose to reject him because they didn't want to change the way they lived. But they knew who God was. They rejected him. The same thing is true of the Canaanite nations. Now, obviously, those weren't Jews. Those were pagan peoples. And God was very patient in the land of Canaan. The Amorites, he waited for 400 years until their sin quotient was full. You remember back in the prophecy of Jonah, um, for for the sake of 120,000 who didn't know their right hand from their left, 
God sent Jonah with a message that would, would lead them to repentance. So the world has always known that there's a God. And that's why they worshipped false gods. Now when you believe something or someone is a God, you better find out if that person or that, that idol really is God. And God demonstrated repeatedly that he's God. Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about the, 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 our conscience being a gift from God to convict us of sin. That comes from God. It, it's not something that we have naturally in our depravity. Um, creation screams that there's a God. The, the psalmist David said, um, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech. And then we know in the New Testament that, that if you seek God, he will be found by you. So somebody who says, let's go back to the very basics, somebody who says, boy, the sun comes up in the same place every morning. It sets in the same place every night. They recognize that's a design. That means there must be a designer. And if any man or woman sets their hearts on knowing this God, God will reveal himself to him. Now, before Jesus came in the flesh, people were saved. By faith, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's the same way, Ariana, that we get saved. So if somebody says, well, I, I believe what God said, and they would look forward to the Savior, well, that's the people that you indicated went to Abraham's bosom. They were saved by faith, just like you and I are saved by faith. They looked forward to the cross. Now, after Jesus was born, people are saved by looking backwards at the cross. So it's like the cross is at the, the fulcrum of human history. If you're before Jesus was alive, you look forward to it. If you're after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, you look backward at it. It's actually easier for us because we have historical fact. They had to believe in something they hadn't yet seen. And so God gives everybody everywhere. Every man is without excuse. Every person. And God if there is light at all, and anybody wants to respond to that light, God will reveal Himself to him, and that happens over and over and over in the New Test or in the Old Testament. And by the way, uh, we have a tendency to focus on the Jews who who it happened for, but but God gives us examples of Gentiles who, by being saved by by faith, believed and were saved. Naaman is just one example. Naaman the leper, 2 Kings chapter 5. But over and over we get people who, if they seek God, I think of the Ethiopian eunuch in, in the book of Acts. Um, God was so gracious to him. He, he, was, he was searching for the real God. And Philip appeared, supernaturally. Philip appeared. Uh, I think about um, Simon the Cyrene. Um, he he is a, a, a convert to Judaism. He traveled all the way to, to find out who this God of Israel was. And one day he finds himself with a Roman spear thrust at his side and Jesus, God in human flesh, looking him right in the eye when he's asked to pick up the cross of Jesus and carry it. So make no mistake, Ariane, anybody who's looking for the real God God will reveal himself to them. The problem is people reject him because he requires us to walk in holiness. So it's a great question, but make no mistake, everybody who's ever been alive is accountable to God because of what they see and what they know. And if you have somebody raised in a Muslim home or in a Buddhist home or, or, or in any other religious construct, or, or in the Bible days, idol-worshipping homes. Abraham was raised as an idol-worshipper. But there was a hunger for the real God, and God called him by name. Same thing is true for everyone who seeks to God, uh, the Lord. Um, we will be, he will be found. Hope that helps. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Let's go to Amanda on line one. Amanda, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I just want to say, I first time caller. I usually always listen to you at five o'clock in the morning before I go to work. 
<laughs> and then I listen to you again at four o'clock when I'm driving home. So love, love the show. <laughs> Thank you. I have Amanda. two questions. I have two questions. Um, the first one is, um, and I know it's it's kind of embarrassing, but I want to start reading the Bible, but I don't know where to start. And okay. the second question is, my mom just turned ninety-seven, and mm. on Saturday, and I would like her to be baptized. Is it too late? To get her baptized. Oh no. oh, no, she's a believer, Amanda? Well, she is somewhat, um, but I would like for her to be baptized to go to heaven and continue to yeah. see her yeah. you know, when we both go there. Uh, Amanda, I want you to hang with me here because this is really important. Your mom isn't going to go to heaven by, baptize, by baptism. Baptism is simply an outward symbol of an inward reality. So what you need to do with your mom, and at 97, there's no time to waste. So what she needs to do is get born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man, in your mom's case, a woman, be born again, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Amanda, what you need to do is share your faith in Jesus Christ with her, just to make sure. So there's no question. And then uh, when she receives Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, um, baptism is is something that she needs to do, not to get saved, but because she is saved. And and it doesn't matter who does it. Um, if your mom can't get in the pool or can't get in the river, um, you can just dump water on her head just out of your hands. Uh, but but yeah, the, the symbol of baptism is important. It's just not essential uh, for salvation. So that's really important. Uh, when I see people with, with elderly parents or grandparents, um, boy, there's no time to beat around the bush. Grandma, Mom, I want you to know, Jesus, I want to know that you're in heaven, that there's no question. And I think sometimes, Amanda, we have a tendency to believe that because our moms or our grandparents are nice people, they did good things because we love them, they're going to be in heaven. We can't make that assumption. And and what you need to do is tell her what Jesus has done for you and ask her, if she's ready in her last days to give her heart to Jesus. And then when she says yes, then um, you can have a pastor do it. You can bring her to church if she's healthy enough to come to church. Uh, there's lots of ways you can do it. But but baptism would be a wonderful thing. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be difficult. God understands people at different conditions and different phases of their life. Uh, I once was doing a baptism. We had a couple hundred people get baptized at a river baptism that we had. And somebody on the on the banks who was there to watch some of their kids get baptized, he gave his life to Jesus right there on the bank. And he said, can I get baptized? And he was in a wheelchair from the waist down, completely uh, paralyzed, in a wheelchair. And, and uh, after receiving Jesus Christ, uh, they carried him down the wheelchair of the water to me. And I said, do you want me to just pour water over here? He says, no, I want it all. We put him down in the water. And, and you know what? He, he went to be with his Lord in less than two months from that time. So there can't be any procrastination. Just tell your mom, I can't imagine heaven without you. And the only way to get there is to be born again. That means to surrender your heart to Jesus now. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And I'm, Amanda, hearing your heart, and I know you've been praying for her. Uh, believe me, the Holy Spirit will have prepared her. And so it's a great time then baptize her. Now, about reading the Bible, um, you didn't say how long you'd been a believer. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend you're a brand new believer. So the first place I'm going to ask you to read is in the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters of Ephesians. Um, are loaded with doctrine, but but it's not difficult to understand. It's, this is what, think of it this way. That's what Jesus did for Amanda. The first three chapters. The second three chapters are how Amanda should respond because of what Jesus did. And don't read it quickly, Amanda. There's no rush. Read it slow. Repeat um, passages of Scripture. Let the Lord really speak to your heart. And I promise you, Amanda, he is going to to begin speaking to your heart and he's going to start giving you some understanding. Um, After uh, Ephesians, uh, read the Gospel of John. 
Uh, that will take you a long time. Then call back. You said you're a first-time caller. Call back a second time, and I'll give you some directions to go from there. If you want to start in the Old Testament, Amanda, start at the beginning with the book of Genesis. And uh, Genesis and John, the Gospel of John, uh, are wonderful companions, uh, Old Testament and New So those things will be a blessing to you. And I appreciate you listening to me uh, in the morning. I appreciate you listening to me when you're driving home. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Seguin and talk with Reuben online, too. Reuben, thanks for calling. You're on the air. God bless you, Pastor Ron. Thank you, Reuben. I hope you had a good, I guess you were on vacation. (laughs) Well, it it was a short vacation. Our vacation sort of got rained out by COVID-19. So we didn't get to have our normal two weeks at the beach where where Paul and I always go. So this was just a short four days uh, in the Dallas area. Uh, and we're not super fans of Dallas, but it was just to be away from um, phones and things like that. So thank yeah. you. That's good. That's good. I'm glad that y'all had at least a little, good, little time away. Um, um, as you know, I've been reading... Um, but just been having a, a hard time reading because of what happened with Dad. Uh, I, I think um, I told you that he got out of the hospital, then he fell, and then yeah, and he's in a nursing home right now. And um, I don't want to say I don't want to say. Uh, oh my God! I just don't. I just you know I don't want anyone feeling sorry for me. That's not why I call and ask you for prayer. That's that's not what I want. What I need are the prayers. I don't need, and and I hope I hope it doesn't come off the wrong way. But um, as a result of my dad being put in the hospital, it has developed a huge financial strain on me, mm-hmm. and a financial strain that I am not able to meet. And um, I may lose my house. I may lose uh, my car. Um, again, I don't want nobody to feel sorry for me, and I don't mean that in a wrong way. Um, and and I, know, I know that your show is a show about Bible questions, but, but uh, you know, I just, you know, I listen to you almost every day, and, and I listen to your, your, your studies that you've told me to listen to on the Bible. Uh, on, on your website, and right now I just need prayer because I'm ha- I oh I'm having trouble um, I'm having trouble praying, and fear wants to come up, and sure. and I'm having the enemy I'm battling the enemy because he wants to put you know Reuben how are you going to do this You're going to lose your house, and you're going to be living in your truck. You're going to be back in the same place you were ten years ago, living on, on I-35 at a rest area. You know, and I don't want to go back to that. So I'm just asking, Pastor, just can you lead me to a, a scripture that that will rest my soul and rest, put me at peace, and then just pray for me and have everyone that's listening pray for me, please. Yeah, I, I can, Ruben. A couple of things. You know, I, please, you're, don't worry about your motive for calling or what people are going to think. The only one that matters is what Jesus already knows about your heart. So we've heard your heart enough on this program. Uh, You're one of our favorites. We get lots of comments about you and emails about you. Uh, People are praying for you. They know your heart. So don't worry about how anybody takes anything. God knows your heart, and you can be content in that. Um, In in terms of of sources of comfort, now, um, I'm not a huge Psalms guy. Uh, I'm not a poetry guy. Um, um, I, I love my walk with Jesus, and I don't need to be reminded of all the things. But, 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 but remember, you're really different than I am. You're you're creative, and your mind goes different places. And the enemy's going to push old buttons with you. So you need to live in the Psalm. Psalms eighty four. Think think just just live there. Uh, Psalm twenty three, uh, perhaps the most famous Psalm uh, in the in the Psalmist. Um. um Psalm 29, um, but, but they're just over and over. Read the Psalms, especially those uh, that David wrote when he was in trouble, when he was running. He had all these wonderful promises from God, and he was running, hiding in caves 
from King Saul who wanted to kill him. Um, and, and you will get a, enormous comfort. But the other book that you ought to be living in right now is the book of Philippians. Just let God wrap his arms around you every day. You, you can read Philippians. If you, if you would cut Philippians out and paste it on the front page of a newspaper, it would only take up about two-thirds of the front page of the newspaper. And I, I use that as an example because we sometimes think, well, I don't have time to read the whole book of Philippians. You can do it in, in about 20 minutes. So live in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Um, that's the way you fight the enemy. You don't fight him. You let Jesus do the fighting for you. And so Philippians will tell you how to do that. And here's the thing you need to remember. Uh, and you know my story as well, Reuben. Um after being so wealthy and so successful in business, Paul and I were homeless. And uh, we learned that in that place where we were homeless, Jesus was enough for us. And it turns out, now we can look back on it, and it was the best place we've ever lived together. We lived in a garage with no bathroom or anything else. My son, you talk about humility, my son had to buy us a gym membership so we had a place to shower. And God just stripped away all the pride. And yet, every day, his presence was a source of joy. Now, I say that because when we came to San Antonio, we didn't have any money. And it was very likely, at least looking at the circumstances outwardly, it was very likely that we would be homeless again because nothing that God was asking us to do made sense. And we had to make the decision, you know, if I was homeless once and Jesus was there, he'll be there again. I mention that because if you're in a truck on I-35, Jesus will be there. And you're trying to spin grace that God hasn't given yet. Grace is given one day at a time. It's like the story of the manna in the wilderness in Exodus. Just take enough for the one day. And if you're trying to spin grace the grace for living. If you're trying to spin that grace that God hasn't given yet, then it's going to be frustrating. The devil's going to have you right where he wants you. So one day at a time, I know how cliche that sounds, but one day at a time, God will meet you with, with the grace that's sufficient for the day. And we will be praying for you. God bless you. And um, just live in Philippians and, and uh, through the Psalms where, where David is running from King Saul in the caves. Reuben, thanks a lot. 340-9585 for your live calls. Here is a question from Raquel from our email inbox. She says, do you think there's a possibility that the Ark of the Covenant could be found again and then return to the new temple that will be built in the end times. Um, Raquel, the answer to that is no. I don't believe that the Ark of the Covenant will ever be found in spite of Indiana Jones and his attempts to do so. Um, but we, we know now the covenant is in heaven. And um, there, the Ark of the Covenant is in heaven. And uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant was a picture of Jesus. So it's not going to be found. It's like Moses' body. Remember, God buried it so that it would never be found. Satan was trying to, to, to steal the body. of and, and God buried it himself. Why? Because he knew the people would worship. If an Ark of the Covenant was found now, people would worship it. And God says, no, 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 that was just a picture. Just a picture. So it's never going to be found. Now, in the new temple, no doubt there will be a what I call a counterfeit Ark that will be built in the Holy of Holies because the Jews will insist on it. And the man that we call the Antichrist is going to want to pacify the Jews, at least for the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. So I'm certain that uh, sacrifices will be will, will resume and, and worship offerings, um, but, but it's not the real Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't one that was demanded by the Lord. So uh, it's not going to be found, Raquel, and uh, all the people that are spending a bunch of time trying to figure out um, how to find it um, is, uh, I think they're wasting their time. So thank you very, very much. Okay, I got an email coming in with a question. We've got only three minutes, less than three minutes now. So let me 
see what this question is, and we'll end our show today. Um, this is from Ola. Oh, Ola, good to hear from you from our mobile app. Um, she says, I had a dream about the rapture. I was on the ground. I was watching everyone go up. The devil has been really been messing with me about this dream. I would love your thoughts. Ola, that's not a dream that would, would um, frighten me at all. Um, we're to be looking for the rapture, uh, the way our subconscious works. Uh, if this is a, a, a dream from the Lord, he's not warning you that uh, you're going to watch people, you're going to be left behind because that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. So uh, I think it was just you're excited and you're watching the fulfillment of your prayers for the rapture happening in the dream. If if it's from God, Ola, that's exactly what it is. But remember, every believer is going to be raptured. So any lie that the devil will tell you about, well, you're going to be left behind, you're going to have to watch everybody else go up, um, that's that's a, a dream that is not from God. Uh, certainly, it's, it's an interpretation that's not from God because it contradicts his already revealed word. So please don't worry at all about uh, missing out on the rapture. I know how the enemy is a liar, how he loves to mess with us, but um, um, maybe tonight you'll have a dream where you'll be jumping up and you'll be caught up in the air to be with Jesus as well. But But dreaming about the rapture, praying for the rapture, Praying for the return of the Lord for his church is something that ought to occupy all of our minds. Ola, it's really good to hear from you. Thank you, by the way, for the pictures that you sent to us. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Good show for the return. You've been listening to the Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.